Hi, I'm Larry Castle here with Ken Brown for episode 31 of That's a Good Question. Why did the Capitol riot happen? finally back to That's a Good Question after taking a break for the holidays. And uh, we just so happen to be returning during a pretty momentous week in our nation. Uh, as ever, everyone's aware by now, we had the uh, riot on Tuesday uh, in which the U.S. Capitol Police were overrun. Um, it's sometimes called the Temple of Democracy. Our Capitol building was occupied illegally. Uh, these lawmakers who were in session, they were moved to bunkers for safety, and there was looting, rioters mm -hmm. taking selfies in the House and the Senate chambers, uh, in the offices of congressmen and senators, and uh, people running off with property. But uh, most noteworthy of all of this is that there were five people who died. Uh, one of them was a Capitol Police officer. So today we want to explore the question, why did the Capitol riot happen? Uh, we know that this is probably one of the things uppermost in the minds of most of us this week. So you and I talked on Tuesday afternoon uh, as it was happening. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, you, had, you had texted me about what was going on. I wasn't really watching the events too closely. Um, and I went online to PBS's coverage and just watched in disbelief. And I'm sure that was true for, for most Americans. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. So right. it's just hard, hard, to, hard to process. Absolutely. I, I was first uh, just hearing it, not seeing it, because I was, I was in my car and I was listening on my C-SPAN app. Believe it or not, there is such a thing. And uh, I think I'm the only person you, in America who... You're like the a, least <laughs> techie person I know, but you found the C-SPAN app. I found the C-SPAN <laughs> app. <laughs> oh, man. So what I was listening to, though, uh, was not the president's speech in the uh, uh, at the ellipse, I think they called it, outside of the, the Capitol where the crowd was gathered, but rather I was listening to the proceedings that were taking place in the House of Representatives to certify the Electoral College results. Mm -hmm. And as I was listening on C-SPAN, suddenly the proceedings were halted, halted without explanation. And there was just chaotic noise for about 15 minutes until a, a C-SPAN announcer came on and said the Capitol has been breached, intruders are marauding in its hallways. And that's when I wrote to you to explain what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just sat there in disbelief as I watched. When I tuned in, that was already in progress. And there was one of the PBS uh, correspondents was in the hallway, kind of walking around, being evacuated. She was mm -hmm. actually in the crowd of the, the Congress persons. And um, at one point there was yelling and she had to duck behind a counter. It was just, it was just crazy mm. seeing all mm. that. How, how were you feeling as you watched this? You know, when I was uh, later able to get to a, a TV and then I saw it, I was profoundly, profoundly sad about it. I was mm. actually on the verge of tears, really. Mm. Uh, I had a, a time of prayer with Kim and then I, uh, I wrote to the pastoral team and I said that, I said, I just had a time of prayer with Kim for our country, and I, especially for Christians, to see clearly. And so I ask, uh, please pray, men. Uh, I mentioned that other than 9-11, 
this is the saddest day of my life as an American. Very, very profoundly sad. Because, you know, I, I love our, our system. Mm-hmm. I love our system of government. And I believe it's a, a gift of God's common grace that allows uh, us to pursue his work uh, in a system that gives us structure and efficiency. Uh, it's the best system that human minds have been able to devise in this uncommonly ingenious structure. Uh, there's never been any that's that's been like it. And then to see it literally under assault was just heart-wrenching. And so I wrote to the pastoral team that day. I, I said this, uh, that what we too often fail to recognize is that it literally takes just days or even hours to destroy what was built over decades or centuries. And that is core to what conservatives believe, mm-hmm. that you have to actually and, and actively conserve what you have because it can be easily lost. But we become complacent and we think we can continue to incite and flout norms and it's not going to happen. And then you see that on the screen and you realize, you know, now it has, or at least thankfully it was arrested and mm-hmm. stopped. But now you've got the real potential that it could could happen. And America wasn't built in a day, but it can be destroyed in a matter of mm. days. Yeah. You know, I, 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 um, have similar feelings as an American. We love mm-hmm. our country. We love our constitutional s- system. Uh, it, it really is. I mean, it's a, it's not a perfect system, but it's the best place on earth to live. I believe I really do feel mm-hmm. that way. Um, mm-hmm. but we also are, are followers of Christ. You know, I, I've said more than one time as we go through the pandemic and all of the questions we've had to face through this time, that uh, we're lo- we're living for another country. We're not just American mm. citizens, but foremost, right. we are citizens of God's kingdom of heaven. Mm. Um, so what interest as Christians do we have in the events mm. of this past week? How, how do these things matter to us as Christians, not just Americans? Mm. Yeah, you know, you know having an, an orderly system of government really does aid us in our, our gospel mission. It's not indispensable to our mission because the gospel has and it will go forward no matter what government that we're under. But the Bible does say in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 that we're to pray for all of those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. It's not just saying to pray for the salvation of those in authority, though, of course, we want to do that, but to pray for them in the governing capacity that they have Hmm. in order for what they do to allow efficient progress of our mission. And that's why the part about living quiet and peaceable lives Hmm. is there that they'll do their work in such a way that we we can do that. We can be free from harassment and persecution and carry out our gospel work. So it is important to us as Christians in, in whatever system of government we're under, that it be orderly and as safe as possible for us to carry on our work. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, that's Obviously, good points what God's word says, but that that is uh, it's important for us to understand. Sometimes I hear myself say those things, and I 
<laughs> of, of course, course it's important. Yeah. I, I think God made a really good point right there. Um, <laughs> I'm but, sure he's glad but, to hear that from you. <laughs> yes. No, but I, I just, as I listen to you say that I, I am impressed with the importance of us being reminded of that. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. then as we, as we try to answer the question today, why did the Capitol riots happen? Um, I guess mm-hmm. we should start by making sure everyone's clear about why the protesters were in D.C. on Wednesday to begin with. What, what were yeah. they protesting? Yeah, they were there and they were protesting what some, many believe, is the stealing of an American presidential election. For nine weeks since the election in November, really even before that, the president has been saying the election is going to be stolen. It's rigged. And then after the election, he's saying it was stolen. And then you have conservative media outlets amplifying those claims. People then have have come to believe them. So they were there in Washington on Wednesday because that was the day that Congress uh, counts and certifies the electoral votes from each state. Now, this is a formality. This is something that's given in the Constitution, so it has to be done. The Congress has to carry out this work, but it's a formality every four years. This is the first time in anyone's life that they paid any attention to this procedure at all. And that's only because the president and others made claims that Congress can change the electoral Mm -hmm. vote. Now, here's the irony of that. There is absolutely no way that Congress on Wednesday had any power whatsoever to change the results of the election. And yet this protest and the handful of senators who frankly shamefully went along with that were doing what they did supposedly in the name of the Constitution, in the name of the Constitution that they're actually violating. While claiming to uphold our process, they were actually, and I'm going to be blunt, they were actually lying about and undermining it. You know, folks who don't spend their time look, looking at the, the Constitution and all that, they, they trust what their leaders or their chosen media outlets are telling them. And so people came to believe that. They came from all, of the, all over the country believing that, even though there was absolutely no truth to it. And here's the real shame. Those senators, you have, you have a guy like Josh Hawley from Missouri. You have a man like Ted Cruz uh, from Texas. These are highly intelligent guys, highly educated guys, Ivy League schools. But, and not coincidentally, both of them with presidential aspirations. Both of them hmm. are looking to be uh, presidential candidates in 2024. They know better. They knew that this could not happen, but they had just throngs of people and and the president had invited those throngs of people to come to DC to protest to make sure that this stolen so-called stolen election did not go through yeah uh we I, I'm thinking about the composition of the the crowd in DC I some of the, my interactions mm-hmm. with with people just discussing this um Im- immediately went to you know maybe the maybe the people starting trouble weren't really uh uh in favor of what was happening there. Maybe they're just coming to make the people who were trying to make a statement look bad. Uh, but we, nice we saw, what's that? That's a nice try. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, and <laughs> yeah. I don't think uh, that many people uh, were, could, could be uh, posers right. posing as, but I mean, well, we let me saw. Just, let me just say something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Try to keep, please keep your train of thought there. But mm-hmm. let me just say, I've heard that as well. Uh, look, if, if that's what happened, if you had a bunch of Antifa people 
and they were actually disguising themselves as MAGA people mm -hmm. successfully and storming the building. The president didn't get the memo. No, right. And here's how I know the president didn't get the, get the memo. After this happened, after the storming of the building, and after this damage is done, and after people are, are killed. Now, at that point, I don't know that we knew anyone had been killed, but we certainly knew it had been breached. We knew this damage had been done. And then the president makes a short video, and the president says, we love you. Mm -hmm. And you're very special to us. Yep. So he definitely didn't think that they were Antifa. He knew who they were. And that is, in fact, who they were. Sorry about yeah. that. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, no. Very good point. That's That was uh, in my, that was a part of my train of thought there. Uh, but we saw, I mean, the vast majority of people who were outside there and who were upset about this. We saw the huge Jesus 2020 banner that was hung at the Capitol mm -hmm. building. And mm -hmm. there were people carrying Bibles. So I'm sure... There were Christians in the group, uh, and there's nothing There's nothing wrong with peacefully protesting. I'm not trying right. to say that they shouldn't have been outside there and expressing their opinion. I'm very thankful to live in a place where we have the right to do that without fear. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll even assume, let's assume that none of the Christians that were there were violent or broke the law. Um, but what is it that has people so riled up, both Christians and just your average American. Why? Why are mm -hmm. every? Why is everybody so upset? You're saying that the the protesters, uh, those who were well-meaning and didn't commit any crimes, they were there under false pretenses, and they mm -hmm. thought something could happen that could not, in fact, happen. How was? How has right. it come to this? Well, I have been writing about this for months now on my blog, Church Matters blog. And we have talked about it at times on here on That's a Good Question. But I firmly have come to believe that these false notions are circulating and gaining traction because we're listening to people who get paid to get folks riled up. Uh, here's an example as it relates to the electoral college issue. Mark Levin, again, another very, very smart guy on the Fox News Network, but he misinformed people. And the president picked it up and, and he ran with it. Levin said that the various state legislatures could pick their own slates of electors. And he encouraged several of the battleground states, the close states that the Trump people were saying that he had actually won to, to actually do that. Listen, according to the Constitution, they cannot do that. Now, think about this. If your legislature in a state is controlled by one party, um, but in the presidential election, the other party's candidate wins, then you get to unilaterally, that legislature gets to unilaterally change the results by choosing electors that will vote for your party's candidate? Seems I mean, that's, to, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah, seems to invalidate the, the whole idea of the people voting. Exactly, which is supposedly what we're fighting about. Mm -hmm. But in order to fight about it, we're actually going to do the very thing that we're claiming has been done. It's amazing. That that, so, that characteristic is true of a lot of aspects of this I've noticed. But I don't want to I don't want to get us distracted with that. It's it's true though. Yeah, the the thing you're saying you're against, you end up doing. You know, in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, right? So here in Michigan, uh, we have a Republican-controlled legislature. We have a Democrat governor, but we've got a Republican-controlled legislature. Biden wins Michigan by 150,000 votes. By the way. Trump won Michigan four years ago by uh, under 11,000 votes, 11,000 votes. Biden wins by 150,000 votes. The electors from Michigan then are pledged to vote for Biden. 
And the Republican legislature, as much as it would like to, of course it would like to, that Biden's not their candidate, but they can't. But President Trump brought, summoned, really, uh, the head of the Michigan House of Representatives, a man named Lee Chatfield, and a guy named Mike Shirky, who heads up the Republican Senate in Lansing, Michigan. He summoned them to the White House a few weeks ago to ask them to change it. And thankfully, they told him they, they cannot, and they were, and they were not going to try, and they, and they did not. And so as a result of that, the way it goes every four years is the Electoral College voted. And they voted on December the 14th, after all of the states had certified their elections through, frankly, painstaking processes over weeks with lots of checks and balances to it. This has been going on for a very long time. And let me add this. Both parties know how this works. They're experts at this. So they know where to look for any issues that might arise. And they and they and they plan and they plan for that. And they have every opportunity to do that. They have opportunity to go to court, which as we know <laughs> has happened over and over and over again. And the courts have ruled against these claims of widespread fraud and so on. So the Electoral College then meets finally on December the 14th. The election then was legally over at that point. Joe Biden has 306 electoral votes. Uh, President Trump had 232, 306 to 232 by the, just amazingly, the exact same number that we had in 2016, just the other way around. Uh, President Trump got 306 and Hillary Clinton got 232. And he claimed for years that this was an electoral landslide. Uh, and so that was switched. The next day, then, the leader of the Senate in Washington, Mitch McConnell, acknowledged that Biden and Harris were president-elect and vice president-elect. But President Trump persisted, and he mean-tweeted McConnell for, for doing that. And, and then he moved on. I mean, that's what you know. it is. It's a mean. You're gonna, and people have been scared to death. These politicians have been afraid for years of getting a mean tweet that's going to ruin their political career. From, from President from President Trump. He did that to McConnell. And then he moved on to pressuring other states to somehow change the outcome. Just last Saturday, just last Saturday, one week ago, mm -hmm. uh, there was released an hour-long audio of the president castigating on over the phone the Georgia Secretary of State, a Republican <laughs> Georgia Secretary of State who voted for the president. Mm -hmm. in a state with a Republican governor who was very much a, a Trump supporter. But this hour-long audio is the, the president castigating the Secretary of State for not jumping in and, and changing the results. Yeah. Listen to this. I, 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 I heard the three-minute cut of that. I think you might have shared that mm -hmm. with me. And mm -hmm. uh, I heard some people who were saying, you know, why is that all cut up? And so I listened to the longer one, and I'm here to tell you it wasn't better. It was worse yeah, no, to hear the context. No, no. It was oh, clear. My, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the Georgia Secretary of State just said straight out, Mr. President, the facts you're operating with are just wrong. They're mm -hmm. just wrong. I mean, this guy is on there. He's a Republican. He knows the deal. In Georgia, they counted three times, three times. And it came out the same way. So why were they there? People had been given false hope that there were these ways to overturn the election when, in fact, there were not. Not through the states, not through the Congress. But because they thought so and because they had been told over and over and over this election has been stolen, those were who were in D.C. on Wednesday 
were ready, man. <laughs> I mean, they were yeah. primed yeah. to force Congress. Congress, you got to do your duty. Now, all the while, this is not their duty. <laughs> no. But the president is cheering them on when, in fact, Congress could not do what he or they wanted to have done. Yeah, it, it was just, it was mind-boggling to hear some of the explanations friends, uh, online friends, but friends provided about that uh, that whole situation. You know, the person, the president, who they um, were suggesting is is doing a great job and is, you know, very astute, um, yet wasn't able to deduce what could happen if he did what he did leading up to this day and mm. said those kind of mm. things. and. You know, mm -hmm. saying this isn't his fault. These people did what they wanted to do. And I, I might be getting ahead of myself just giving my mm -hmm. my take here. But yeah. uh, I just yeah. don't know how you can be president of the United States and not not have an inkling of what might go wrong with how this was led up to. Well, I'll, I mean, I'll just jump in here and, and say to that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, look, none of us are saying uh, I'm not saying that the president uh, knew that people were going to storm the Capitol. And in his speech uh, across from the Capitol to that crowd, uh, you don't have a sentence where he says, go storm the Capitol. Now, he does say, we're going to march on the Capitol. And he does say, I'm going to march with you, which he didn't do. Mm -hmm. They went and then he went in the opposite direction and he watched what happened. And it was hours, hours before he came out and said, hey, we love you. You're special to us. You can now go back. You can now go back home. That. Mm -hmm frankly, is unforgivable for that mm -hmm. to be going on. If, if he comes out, he's their hero. If he comes out in person, which he could easily have done, he was just a couple hours earlier on person. He comes out in person, says, this is over, get out of here. They'll do what he says to do. Mm -hmm. But that, but that did, unfortunately that didn't happen. So, but I'm not saying he, he said that, and I'm not saying that he knew what would happen, but he should have, I think is what you're saying. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying known. is, yeah, if you for four, was it 45 days leading up to it? Uh, if you for 45 days insist and persist uh, to dogmatically say the election was stolen, uh, you should yeah. expect people to be very angry. If that's true, it's very yeah. that's that's a horrible thing if that's true. And we're going to fight using words like we're going to fight. We're going to fight. Honestly, I'll just quote what he said. We're going to fight like hell is what he said. And 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 Rudy Giuliani gave a speech to that group and he said this is going to be a trial by combat. That's a quote, a trial mm -hmm. by combat, you know. You've got to have enough responsibility that if you've got people fired up like that and you've right. told them that those people in that building are complicit in stealing an election from you, then how can you be shocked that they're going to say, you know what, this is not going to happen in, in our country and we're going to have to just take matters into our own hands. And that's what some people did. Yeah, that that was my big concern, especially among Christian uh, people of influence, as I spoke with people, is that. We have to be using language now that will diffuse Absolutely. the tension, uh, right. not instigate uh, an elevation of it. So, um, well, you know, this back to the electoral college system that you were talking about. This mm -hmm. is the system that we've used, f I mean, all the way back our entire lives with regard to electors and electoral college. So mm -hmm. why did it just now become an, an issue this election year? Yeah, you know, I, I wrote about this. As I said, we've been writing about these things and talking about them for a while because they've been going on for a while. And on the Church Matters blog back on uh, November the 20th, just a, a few weeks after the election, I wrote a, a blog titled, Why Are You Afraid? And in it, I said that 
we are being, this is a quote, discipled into fear. Hmm. And we're being discipled into fear by who we listen to. And that these purveyors of fear have an agenda. It's to get you motivated. <laughs> fear motivates. Motivated to vote or to donate or to just keep coming back to listen because that makes them money. Hear, the, hear this, friends. Let me say it as clearly as I can. Truth is not the currency of fear mongers. Mm -hmm. Truth is not what they traffic in, okay? They traffic in whatever will get you jazzed. The more afraid you are, then the more likely you are to take action that they want you to take, like voting for a candidate or donating or listening to that scary voice tell you how bad the liberals and the, the socialists are. Let me throw in my disclaimer here. I'm going after the right for saying this, not the left, because my audience is primarily right of center. And so that's who I'm talking to. It's not that I'm saying that the other side doesn't do that. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that. I don't really care <laughs> because that's not who I'm talking to. I, so I use the analogy with a, a friend as I was talking about that, that it's one thing if my neighbor's kid's going around breaking windows. I, I should be concerned in my neighborhood, but if my kid's going around breaking windows, I'm going to give it some pretty close attention. There you go. Exactly right. That's good. So I said in that, in that blog, I said, for, for many publications, their embellishments, they're not a bug, they're a feature. The exaggerations mm -hmm. are not simply over-exuberance. They're instead a business model. It's designed mm -hmm. to give the consumer news he presumably can't find anywhere else. Many conservative Christian people are getting their news from the same sources, which are specifically designed to create fear that keeps you coming back for more, and you're feeling increasingly uneasy all the while. I've heard from, from very many people that one major source of their, their dread is this supposed fact that the presidential election has been clearly stolen because it's mm -hmm. been hammered over and over and over again. And this is clear to them because they, I wrote, I wrote it this way, that they've heard it said, they've heard it claimed, tweeted, denounced, attacked, tweeted, uh, repeated, alleged, asserted, charged, contended, declared, and so on. Beyond that, then, you know, we've got, oh, look at that video of wagons with suitcases. They're being wheeled into the election headquarters in Detroit, and there's paper on the windows, and there's affidavits from all of these people who swear that there were irregularities and software glitches that change votes from Trump to Biden. And on top of all of that, there's the, there was, remember several weeks ago, there was a two-hour press conference mm -hmm. with the presidents, what they called themselves was the elite strike force team. And Rudy Giuliani and other attorneys were up there saying that this fraudulent election was the work of China and Antifa and George Soros and Venezuela and Germany and Cuba and big tech and big cities and just plain citizens who were helping steal the voting machine companies, a British baron. All of these were included Every, in that. Everybody's in on it. Everybody is in on it. I'm, I'm sure I left some, somebody out. But honestly, that then is enough to scare anybody nearly to death. I, I mean, in the last it's few days, haven't true. we seen that the vice president must even be in on it? <laughs> okay, so then that's what happens. That's yeah. what happens. Then people then must be, okay, you're, you're part of it. In that very press conference that we're talking about, um, one of the attorneys there said that the governor, the Republican governor of Georgia, Georgia, strong supporter of President Trump, Brian Kemp, he's in on it. He's in on it now. And so now, you know, the, the vice president has been turned on and been turned on by the president just in the last couple of days, four years, four, 
five years, really, campaign included, of just being so subservient to the, the president. And then some, some might say a questionable level of devotion. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would say that. I would say that for sure. <clears throat> but, you know, and then you get, you know, kicked under the under the bus because mm -hmm. you're doing what the Constitution he had no he had nothing else that he could do according to the Constitution. But see, these claims are not proof. And here is, in fact, the truth. At the time I wrote that blog entry, there had been just a little over 30 court proceedings. Since that time, since November 20th, there have been 60, a total of 60, hmm. uh, a little over, court proceedings in a number of states challenging different aspects of the election. And the challenger's record is three wins and 61 losses. Hmm. And, and, and here's the reason. It's one so thing to assert So can I ask you a question something. about the details of that? Uh, I, I, first of all, that's higher than I thought it was. I thought it was at 55. I, I'd read that, but it must have been an old number. Um, when you say three law, three wins, 61 losses, is are you including in, in the losses uh, cases that have just been thrown out? Yeah, or? Yes, yes, yes. It, but so that's, not all of them. But we're counting that yeah, as just the same, basically, right? Yeah. It, and there's it, no so merit I, to it. There's no merit. And so ordinal standing, you know, this is supposed to be done at, in a different place in a different way. So not all of those were substantive. Several of them were. And you, you should read some of these judges, including Trump appointed judges mm -hmm. and some of the scathing, absolutely scathing things they said about these challenges that they are just meritless. You have you have some of these attorneys now, Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell is in a world of hurt. If anybody knows that name, she's one of the main attorneys. She's the one that called, uh, said, we're going to release the Kraken. The Kraken is a mythical mo monster, and we're going to release the Kraken. We're going to, everybody, the whole world's going to see how bad this thing is. And everybody keeps waiting for it, Sydney. We, we all keep waiting for it. And she keeps going to court, and, you know, it's going to come one of these days, but it just hasn't come. And she brings these frivolous lawsuits, and she is in a world of hurt with her own law license with some of these people mm. because of doing this. She just today is being sued for one3 billion with a B dollars. Now, she doesn't have that kind of money, of course, by the voting machine company because she's made all these claims mm. about the voting machine companies being in cahoots with Venezuela and all kinds of things and hasn't proven, you know, a bit of it. Look, it's one thing to assert stuff in front of a camera, uh, in front of a microphone. It's another to prove it, prove it in a court of law when you are under oath. You know, as a citizen of this great country, we both talked about what a great country we're in. You know, if there's really widespread fraud, we want to know about it. Right. And nobody has said that there's not any fraud. I don't, right. I can't imagine that you could have, you know, 160 million people vote and not have some instances of fraud in any election we've ever had. The question is, is it systemic? Is it widespread? And mm -hmm. that's the claim that's being made. And and none of that is is proved. So as of this, this podcast, we still have zero proof that those claims are true. Yeah, so you, you say the claim is that it's systemic. I mean, the claim is that uh, the president won by a landslide and mm. that it was that it was overturned, that it was cheating was used mm -hmm. to hide that fact. You, you mentioned that uh, the court, court after court dismissed and ruled against the claims to fraud. Um, mm -hmm. And even if in court the attorneys don't make the claims that they do in front of the cameras and microphones, yeah. then then mm -hmm. why do so many, uh, you know, why are there so many people in D.C. to protest and to stop the steal 
and uh, many more who who weren't there but who are sitting at home and and wish they could be why why is there such general distrust of the election mm-hmm. then if this none of this has held up in court mm. you know over these last over these last several years uh as i've heard very good people very good people talk about their concerns i I've been on a bit of a mission to try to determine why they're so angry and distrustful. And what I've consistently heard from Republican politicians to conservative commentators to just regular folks, and again, I want to underscore often very, very good and godly folks, they say what we've heard several times in Congress this week, that the stealing of this election is yet another way for them. Now, I just want you to notice that. That that pronoun, them, whoever they are. Well, I know who they are. They're the deep state. But the problem mm-hmm. is we don't know how to identify that either. It's another way for the deep state, them, to deny Donald Trump what is rightfully his. That's what's represented apparently in this presumed election steal. Because they, in the minds of good folks, they, the deep state, the liberal media, the Democrats, you've got a whole cabal and it just involves a whole bunch of people. They've been doing it since the moment he announced that he was running for president. They, this whole group, whoever all is included in it, were so determined to keep him from being president that the Obama administration spied on his campaign and they made false allegations that he colluded with the Russians to win the election. And then after Trump won, they wanted to discredit him as a, as a legitimate president, and they foisted a special counsel on him in a guy named Robert Mueller, who spent nearly two years, millions of dollars to try to remove him from office. Listen, friends, I, I think, and those of you watching and, and who have, that's your narrative. That's what, that's what you believe. And I'm not belittling that. Uh, I'm, I'm stating it. I'm, I'm saying that that's what many have come to believe. They've been told that's the narrative that's been going on for several years. And now the election fits into that in the minds of folks. If, if you're hearing this and that is what you have come to believe, I've tried to represent that accurately. I believe I have. If I, if I haven't, if I've missed something in that beginning narrative, but I've talked to a lot of people, I've read a lot of people, I've heard a lot of these politicians say this, and that's what they say. That's what they string together. Listen, this election, this past election was not close. Biden won by 7 million votes. His electoral count, as I said, was the same as President Trump's in 2016, which he said was a a landslide. And that 306 to 232 electoral count, that was known within five days of the election. And yet we've had nine weeks of claims of a stolen election designed to deprive the president of a second term And again, these claims are without proof. The people at the protest on Wednesday, all of those who stormed the Capitol are convinced that the election was stolen. And therefore, they have to take matters into their own hands. Yeah, I've I've heard the same thing over and over again, that they, whoever they are, have been out to get Trump going all the way back to the so-called fake uh, Russia investigation. And Mm -hmm. uh, you're saying that the distrust of the election is part and parcel with that, that supporters of the president believe he's been targeted, he's been treated unfairly, 
And so this mm-hmm. is just another example as they try to steal, as they try to steal the election. That's, that's, that's what it is. That's why this year was so much different, because in the minds of so many people, you've had this going on for years, and this is now the culmination of all these attacks trying to, to get him, haven't been able to do it until now. So even in Congress on Wednesday, uh, Republican congressmen like Jim Jordan of Ohio, uh, he's just really made a, quite a name for himself uh, with with some of this. And he was saying this very thing. He got up and he said, this is a stolen election. And then he went back to the fake Russia investigation. Um, uh, they were claiming uh, that they could overturn the election, even though they knew Jordan and these senators knew that they could not. But they were saying that very thing. They tried to get him with Russia. They tried to get him with impeachment. Now they're trying to get him by by stealing an, an election from him. It's the narrative that many many people have come to believe. But I'm just going to I'm just going to say this is very directly uh, that it is demonstrably false. Hmm. That narrative is demonstrably false. Well, I I think we should actually uh, take it. Probably be helpful for folks if we take time to wade in on why you say it's false. But I just want to be clear why we care about this as pastors. We're we're not politicians. Mm. So why spend time on this issue? And we we are at, let me throw in there, we're at about 37 minutes now. So maybe we finish yeah. on this this week yep. and then we can get into the okay. details if people are going to be uh, dying saying, wait, I got to go a whole week before you can no. lay that oh, out yeah. for sure. me. <laughs> sure, you can't wait to hear my, me pontificate on this, I'm, right? I'm very interested <laughs> in hearing the details. I try to follow the details. I know that you're probably much more up on the details than I am, but, <laughs> but tell the folks why we as as pastors care about this. Yeah, good. I'm, and this is be a great place for us to break off and then continue it next week. But why do, why do we care about it? Here's why. Uh, if, if I thought, and I really wish this were the case, I wish that, okay, now this is over. Uh, just, you know, the days are all running together, but, you know, but just this week, (laughs) uh, president Trump, uh, made a concession speech after the storming of the, the Capitol. Then the day after he made a video and he conceded that he is not going to be the, the president as of January the the 20th. And so the, his administration just has a few days left. And if this then disinformation about how people have been out to get, and that's how the election went and why, if that was going to end, then we could just be done with it. And that would be, that would be great for me because it's just been too much. It's been too much for all of us. It's been too much for me. And I, I read these things. I got a C-SPAN app. I, <laughs> this is what I do in my spare time. I, I need to get a life, but I do my pastoring. I do my study. I do my preaching. I don't have, I don't have a golf habit. I don't have another. My habit is reading stuff like this. Maybe, okay? maybe we could get you into skateboarding. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> uh, so, but even though I'm interested in these kind of things, it's just been too much. And it would be fine for me if this was over. But here's the reason we're interested that I think it's important for us to try to evaluate what's going on here and then go forward, hopefully, with learning some lessons. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to learn lessons. I'm trying to help others learn lessons out of this. It's not going to stop. And I don't mean from Donald Trump. I mean, he'll go on with his life. He's got 
issues he's going to have to deal with uh, that I'll, I'll get to next week a little bit uh, in terms of legalities and things like that in New York. Uh, and so we don't know what becomes of him in terms of any future political career. Does he get his own television show? You know, how big of a voice is he going to be within the Republican Party? We don't know any of that. Um, but let's just assume that he just fades away. I doubt it. That's just not his style. Mm -hmm. But let's just say he were to fade away. Um, you still are going to have other people pick up the mantle. You've still got the news outlets that have been peddling disinformation for a very long time. And it's just going to have a new hero and it's just going to come in different forms. So that is the reason because we need to, to learn now, if we at all can, how we can, how we can avoid getting pulled into that and being distracted by it and becoming fearful because of it. So I, mm -hmm. I want to try to show, I think, how that has happened, how we got to where we did this past week so that we can then go into the next few years um, and avoid getting into it again. That's good. All right. So you you threw in an, enough of nice little teasers in there of what's coming next week, too, that I think people will be very interested. Um, and if some of these things gave you pause and caused you to think, hmm, what is what could he be planning to say that would change my mind about this or enlighten me about this? Uh, take some time this week and look into the details. Read the court the actual statements made by judges, look at the details, take time off from sharing anything and just ingest some mm -hmm. things. And maybe you can make it a game next week to see if you can guess what Pastor Ken's going to list <laughs> doing <laughs> your research. Nobody's going to do this. Nobody has time for that. No. They're going to come back and listen Good. to us next week. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Pastor Ken, thanks. Uh, on topics especially like this, I, I all of these topics, I appreciate the thought that you put in and, and the help that it is to me personally and to our congregation as they listen, and particularly on this timely issue uh, with so much information, it's hard to follow a lot of times. So thank you. Uh, thank you at home for watching. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in and, and uh, joining us for all of these episodes. Uh, just to make sure that you're aware of all that's going on with these, make sure you're following us on Facebook. We try to mention when we release something there. Make sure you like our Facebook page, and you'll learn about these as well as upcoming events. And then uh, on YouTube, if you're watching, make sure you subscribe to our channel. That way you can find our content easy. Hit the notification bell, and that will even notify you when we publish new episodes or new sermons. So thank you all for watching, and uh, for Pastor Ken and myself, we'll see you in the next episode. If you have a question you'd like us to consider, you can send that into our email address, info at cbctrenton.com, or text it to us at 97000.